Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 406 on a Friday, the Sports Cage brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Here's what we've got today. Rider safety turned Olympian. Jay Dearborn coming up in a couple minutes from now. Chase the Ace, the weekly prize, well over $2,000. The grand prize, over twenty k. We may very well give that away at 430. Luke Mullinder, 505. TSN Sarah Orleski at 530. Aaron Karolnik on the NFL at 605. Your texts and calls at 306-936-6262. The text line is brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. Zinger owes me $10,000 today because yesterday's show, when we said, who's the next rider to sign? You said Luches Purifoy. I said Mike Adam. I should have said Adam. He was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, The news today, riders re-signing safety Mike Adam back for his fifth season in green. The 2019 West Division All-Star, of course, suffered a broken wrist trying to make a hustle play in the Banjo Bowl in 2021. Adam will be back. And your choice, Luches Purifoy, was having at it on Twitter, talking about the riders lowballing him. So, as he says, lowballing him. Uh, so, so, it's not yeah. looking good for my prediction no. as, of, as of 407. Did not go real well. I uh, I think having Mike Adam back is fantastic. You just want more flexibility in that back end. Uh-huh. Okay, well, they ended up going to Purifoy, essentially, at safety after Adam's injury. Of course, Dearborn played some there as well, but nominally it was it was Purifoy. And you love those guys that have been around for a while, too. Like, bring them back, you know? Uh-huh. Like that, that Now, that's a jersey that someone can get now. A nice... 15. Yeah, like that fifth season. I mean, let's do it. Yeah. And we continue to get to play the, this is Rider Safety, Mike Edom. You're listening to the sports cage. Oh, you better believe that's coming up right away here. (laughs) (laughs) When he mispronounces his own name. I love it. It's allowed because it's him saying it. That's why it's still on the airwaves. It's so great. (laughs) No, we're so happy to have uh, Mike back, friend of the show. Great interview. A guy with good insight into the club. Still a heck of a player. Uh, I mean, missed too much of the season to be an all-star in 2019. But, uh, yeah. Very happy that Mike will be back. The Luches Purifoy, if you haven't seen his uh, tweets in the last 24 hours. I don't even want to look at them again. <laughs> well, we'll go over them with Luke Mullender at 5.05. We'll get Luke's reaction to them. Uh, I feel like Luke will say, yeah, you know what? That's negotiation. And that's what reactions are during negotiation. But Purifoy responding yes when asked, are they trying to lowball you? So take that for what it's worth. We'll have plenty more to discuss on on that. One thing we do need to note, as this transaction happened seconds before the show began, the BC Lions... It's a juicy one. ...releasing Canadian receiver Lamar Durant. Hmm. That was... You wondered how it was all going to work in BC, right? When they paid Lucky Whitehead all that money. They'd already re-signed Dominic Rimes. What would they do with Burnham? Can you possibly pay Durant two hundred grand? The answer to that is absolutely no. Lamar Durant, who had some injury problems much of 2021, uh, is released and on the market. Plug him in for Lenny. 
Of course, that's what Ryder fans are going to be thinking when they hear that news, though, right? Well, any Canadian that hits the market, right? Uh, let, pardon me. Durant ran in the uh, the Kyron Moore position in the BC offense. He ran in that slot back spot. I I'm, I have to d- dig in and see how much he did work on the inside because the Lenius position requires extra blocking and responsibilities. And then, I mean, for a lot of reps, you're out because the fullback is in and then mm-hmm. the fullback's out and you're back in. So uh, I wonder what Durant's market will be. He was had to be the highest paid Canadian receiver in the league for 20, essentially for 2020 after his 2019 season. Yeah. N- no one else comes to mind. First so, Canadian, yeah. He is free and on the market. What do you think? Lamar Durant? In green, maybe? Yeah, maybe. 306-936-6262. Chase Ace at the bottom of the hour. Break because uh, our pre-taped conversation with Jay Dearborn coming up next. He is the rider safety who three years ago said, you know what I should try? A little bobsled. And you know what? He's off to the Olympics in bobsled with other former CFLers uh, in tow. Our interview with Jay Dearborn coming up next in the cage. Four twelve with the afternoon rush. Titans, they're going to have running back Derrick Henry on the field for their AFC divisional game with Cincinnati. Henry was moved from the injured reserve to the active roster on Friday. Despite missing the final nine games, Henry finished as the league's ninth leading rusher with 937 yards. And also 49ers defensive end Nick Bosa, he cleared concussion protocol, so he's ready to play against the Green Bay Packers tomorrow night. The Edmonton Oilers have placed veteran forward Kyle Turris on waivers. The Oilers are currently on an extended slump that has seen the team (laughs) drop 13 of 15 hockey games. That is not a good record. Is there a defined point where it turns from a slump into a travesty or a mockery or a sham or what? That explains my pause. I was thinking, I need to insert a different word here. Extended slump does not explain 13 out of 15 games lost. So rough for them. The Olympics starting in a couple of weeks. Olympic bobsled still a few weeks away. So they had time to get their team just right. And it includes rider safety Jay Dearborn. It's just such a crazy story. Dearborn, a ridiculous athlete uh, at the uh, university level when he tested the CFL combine. Just bonkers. And as you'll hear, there was a point where he said, you know what I want to try? Bobsledding. It wasn't that long ago. And now he will represent Canada in the Olympics. Jay is over in Germany. So we had to do this a little earlier today. Our conversation with rider safety slash Olympian Jay Dearborn. Jay, you're going to the Olympics. How does that sound? It's, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting. It's not something I thought I'd be. It's not somewhere, I'd, somewhere I thought I'd see myself. So, um, yeah, very excited. When you were young, you're, you're a pro football player and now you're an Olympian. When you were young, what did you want to do? Uh, play hockey. I wanted to play in the <laughs> World Juniors Tournament. <laughs> with my, How far did you go in hockey? Sports school. Uh, up to like grade nine or or something like that um then football kind of took over <laughs> that's uh that's so funny uh <laughs> when did you first try bobsledding when what was your first exposure to it uh it was actually so in 2019 when i was released from the riders from my my rookie season training camp um i got kind of banged up 
um, went back to Ottawa to get some treatment and try to get healthy. Um, and that's kind of when I was introduced to the sport. Um, there was a coach in Ottawa um, through the Ontario club type thing, just an intro to the sport, um, kind of got my feet wet and then uh, got a call back from the riders uh, like week five, I believe. And then sort of Bob's, they kind of got put on hold um, and played the season there. Um, and then in March, 2020, had another opportunity through the Ontario team to go out to Whistler with a couple of other guys and just kind of learn about the sport and get to go down the hill there and, uh, that kind of thing. Um, and then that fall when they canceled the CFL season, it was like two or three weeks later, I got the email about the, the national team tryout in, uh, in Calgary. So. Um, it was pretty good timing because I was staying ready all summer, hoping for a CFL season. And um, when they announced that it was not going to happen, I was obviously upset. But a couple of weeks later, I got that email for, for Bobsley. And I was like, well, I'm, I feel athletically ready. And I've been training all summer anyways, so might as well head out. <laughs> when was the first time you went down the hill? And what did you feel at that time? <laughs> so the first time was in the like like March 2020 um and it was terrifying uh we started um we started at the bottom of the hill uh and you get out and you've got these like big like ice pick I don't even know what we call them like bungees that you pull on over top of your shoes um and you walk like it's called the track walk so you walk through the track on the ice and the pilots like the drivers of the sleds they talk about the corners and how they're going to approach each corner and they really learn the track at slow speed um anyway so they they let us walk up through the track um and i think we only walked up to like like halfway where they were gonna let they were gonna put us into the track only about halfway up and it was just this like oh man like we're getting higher we're getting higher we're getting higher you're kind of like walking up and like looking behind you and seeing how steep this ice is and you're like this thing's gonna pick up speed quick um and that was just from like halfway down the track so uh that had pretty good pretty good nerves, pretty good heart rate going for that. And then by the end of that weekend, we were jumping in the back of the sled with uh, some pilots who were out in, in Whistler at the time. Um, same thing, just like learning how to drive, but we got to jump in the back of their sleds and really experience the, the speed and the pressures. And it's uh, Whistler has a pretty quick, pretty quick drop off. So you're standing at the top on the block and you're looking out and I'm not sure how far it is, but it's not far. And then the ice just kind of dips away into this pretty steep decline you're like okay like, i'm about to run full speed and get this thing going as fast as i can and then jump in it and it's going to continue to pick up speed <laughs> so you just gotta i don't know convince yourself that this is a good idea and but yeah it's terrifying at first <laughs> as a kid were you a were you a, were you a sled kid were you a gt racer kid the one with the three the three slats of the yeah. wheel yeah i had a gt but um yeah, I mean, like we went to the to the hill to go tobogganing and stuff like that, but this is a uh, this is a lot faster. <laughs> Man, yeah. <laughs> you said something interesting there. You said the speed and the pressures. Like, are, are we talking mm. g forces? Is that what you mean? Yeah, like in Whistler, um, those sleds can get up to like 140, 150 kilometers an hour. Um, so near the bottom, when you're at that top speed, some of those corners are pretty, I'd say, relatively sharp. So you're you're traveling and you see the pictures of the sleds and they look like they're up on the side of an ice wall. Um, and mm -hmm. that's like the, that's the G force keeping them pinned against the ice as they're wrapped around those corners. So um, as you go around those corners at 
full speed, um, down doesn't feel like down. It's actually like towards the bottom of the sled that feels down because you're going so fast and your, your body just kind of gets plastered into the bottom of the sled when those, when those pressures hit. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot. And then you get like a quick little breather in between corners and you get plastered into the bottom again, and then you get a little breather and then you get squished in the bottom and it's just, it's a lot. <laughs> I, w- I was going to ask because I don't know bobsledding real well. Like the driver would seem to have a defined job. The brake man would seem, hey, stop the thing. Uh, I-, I wondered what else you do other than ride along the other, you know, the other three guys who aren't the driver. But honestly, it sounds like you'd have to be incredibly strong just to not throw the entire sled off course. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So you you basically like the three other guys just try to get in and stay low and those sleds are pretty tiny and especially when you pack them with with four guys or um two women in the in the two men sleds but um yeah you just try to get low and they talk about filling the sleds so you're trying to like squeeze your shoulders out to really like pin yourself in there um yeah it's uh it's weird you get when you have rough runs and you're getting bounced off the walls a couple times like they come down out of a corner too early and bang into the wall you can get your your butt thrown up into the air, bounced around, and you realize how uh, how badly you'd appreciate a, a seatbelt at that point. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, Jay Dearborn with us here on the sports cage. Uh, getting bounced off the wall because he came out of a corner wrong or taking on a running back in the hole. Uh, similar, different, preferable, which one? Uh, the running back, I guess you have a little bit more choice over, so I'd probably yeah. prefer that, whereas when you're in the back, you're just at the mercy of the pilot and hoping that they're having a good run and hoping they're going to look after you. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so you had to do some balancing of both football and, and bobsleigh as you, as you approached this opportunity, I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the riders were, they were pretty good about um, uh, allowing me to sort of keep, keep both going, um, especially in season. I mean, I, I talked to the coaches before coming out to Sask that it was a, a, an Olympic year and that, um, I had this opportunity ahead of me that I was hoping to sort of keep, keep open. Um, but yeah, they were pretty good. Like my, my bye weeks I spent out in Calgary, which is where like the, the home base is for the bobsleigh team. And they have an indoor facility there where we can practice our, our pushing on the ice. Um, but yeah, they were, they were great about allowing me to sort of keep this going um, kind of in the background, keep the door open while I was, while I was playing football. And then um after the football season ended, it was a pretty quick, pretty quick turnaround to get me down to Lake Placid. Like, I think it was only like, we, we lost that game on the Sunday night. And then by like Tuesday or Wednesday morning, I think I was flying uh, back to Ottawa. And then my, my mom and my brother met me with a car at the airport. And then I drove straight down to Lake Placid to, to meet the team that was down there competing. So it was a, uh, it was a pretty quick turnaround for me. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, I noticed as I was going through, and it was probably Jesse Lumsden was the first one where I was exposed to, oh, football players and bobsled. Oh, okay, that does seem to work. Uh, Samuel Jaguar is on one of the sleds for Canada Fours, and then Shaq Murray Lawrence, the former BC Montreal running back, is is on there. Uh, why? What's the crossover? What's, what is it about, I guess, maybe bobsled that goes, hey, there's certain football athletes that would be great for our program? I think it's the... Uh like the off seasons I've, I noticed are like the off season training is pretty similar. Um, both sports want this like strong, fast, explosive athlete. Um, 
they tend to try to pull athletes that are sort of like 205 to 230 uh, in body weight. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty similar athlete that can do both sports. So um, yeah, I think it's just like the, it's nice. Like the off season training is, I don't ever feel like I'm training for one and neglecting the other because both of my off season goals are the same. And um, when I'm, when I'm at football and I'm running all over the place um, and working out all the time, like I still feel like I'm, I'm obviously working for football and trying to, trying to stay ready for that. But it's, it's not like I'm wasting my time for bobsleigh. Like those things are still helping me for, for bobsleigh and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're six, three. Uh, I saw, is it two fifteen? Cause the CFL lists you at two Oh one, but I saw you say two fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. That was a uh, 2019 body weight, which I was meaning to get them to fix <laughs> fighting for every pound over here. So, <laughs> so you have real good size for a defensive back. What? how is it for, for bobsled? I just, I just don't know what the athlete should look like in the ideal. Yeah. I'd say like a, somewhere between like a Sam and a will linebacker, like they, um, the top athletes from around the the world are usually a little over six foot um and usually north of 200 pounds type thing like you want to be two 225 type thing sorry 220 225 i think is right in the right in the sweet spot for body weight and and still being able to go fast so yeah Wow, they're very nice, very nice. Well, football players in the CFL would be a pretty good place to uh, to start if you're if you're looking for that. What are your hopes for the Olympics? This is your this is your first trip to the Olympic Games. What are your what are your hopes? Are they uh, hey, we hope Jay crushes it in gold medals, or, or what do you? What's your goal? Uh, honestly, I'm not sure. Like I'm I'm relatively new to the sport and this team because I came in late. Um, sort of outside of the the sport specific, I'm hoping that I can enjoy it and like right now like i don't have a ton of nerves about competition right now but i'm i'm super excited just to get to the athlete village and the opening ceremonies and be able to experience all those things that like as a kid you're watching on tv and it's just it's magical and it's exciting and um now i'm going to be there in person so um i'm hoping to really just like like yes there's there's it's gonna ramp up in terms of intensity and nerves and things like that but i'm hoping that like as those things sort of ramp up I'm still able to appreciate and enjoy what's going on around me and where I am yeah and I would assume based on the weather in that west final that you just recently played in there's no weather that could, that you you're not su- suitable to compete in <laughs> yeah Co- coach I've made a made a joke about uh like especially it started getting cold there near the end of the year and he's like oh like you're used to this I was like well like we have a nice warm, like they call it a start ho- start house that you can go and like hide in. And then you basically walk out to the line, push the sled, and then you're pulling on like snow pants at the bottom of the hill. So I was like, I don't, I don't feel like I'm ready for this. Like it's still pretty cold, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Uh, you're, you're a free agent from the CFL. You, I'm, I'm assuming you hope to continue in the CFL or, or are going to continue in the CFL. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think as long as I can make, make both sports work and, um, which I think is is a possibility that um, I'm going to have a ton of fun trying to trying to compete in both and trying to succeed at both. And it, it's nice that one's sort of a summer sport and one's a winter sport and they have a little bit of a crossover. But um, so far, I've been able to manage keeping both uh, keeping both afloat. 
what's your what's your schedule from now you you mentioned you're in germany right now uh the olympics themselves start in as i do the math i believe it's 13 days but what's what's your schedule for for bobsleigh we're uh yeah so we're in germany right now um we're flying out of frankfurt on the 26th so up until then it's just trying to um some athletes are happy to have a little bit of time off and let their bodies recover a little bit um we've got gym and track that we can get to um, but yeah, fly out on the 26th and then, uh, we have some, some training, like on the ice and practice sliding going down the hill, um, before the, uh, before the first couple of races. But other than that, I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm sure we'll, we'll get a schedule at some point, but mm. I don't think there's a, I don't think I have a lot of say in what my day looks like once we head out there. I just, I, I have to ask, uh, cause I saw you posted a picture it was on your website and it was, oh, we hit 115, what was it? 115 or 120 kilometers an hour. And I don't generally hit that in my car and you're doing it with minimal protection. You're wearing the tightest suit imaginable. That's, it's just, it's crazy to think about that, honestly, in my mind. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nerve wracking. And I don't know, like when, when you're having a good run and the pilot's driving well, then there's not a lot to worry about. And like, you just, you feel safe and you feel confident and those kind of things. It's when you start tapping off walls that you start to question all the choices that led you to the back of that sled. But, um, no, like we've got, we've got like, I'm sure you guys have like seen, we have like big motorcycle helmets on, mouth guards. Um, and then most athletes wear like a, like a thin Kevlar layer. They call it like a burn vest, which is for that, that road rash from the ice type thing. If you, you get dumped upside down, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think you just kind of, you start to gain trust in the pilots to, to look after you after you've been sliding a couple of times. I'm assuming you haven't been dumped up upside down yet, but I could be wrong on that. I have. <laughs> I Ooh. was, uh, yeah. So last spring I was fool enough, foolish enough to, uh, head out to Whistler and the, the national team was sort of putting on a, a pilot school, they call it. So that's learning how to drive. Um, and you flip pretty frequently learning how to drive. So <laughs> I've been upside down a bunch of times. Um, yeah, it's not a ton of fun. It's, it's loud. Uh, it can hurt. You can get thrown in, into the ice pretty hard, but um, I've been relatively lucky, but yeah, they can get ugly pretty quickly there. Jay, best of luck. We're going to be rooting for you. We also hope to see you back in green this coming season. That would be great as well. And yeah, I, I'm just, I'm just amazed uh, with my off time. I like to relax and watch TV and you like to <laughs> put on spiky shoes and hurl yourself down a hill. It's, it's incredibly admirable, man. Congratulations. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Rider safety and Canadian Olympic bobsleigh athlete Jay Dearborn with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Uh, he told the story of uh, when he went over in the sled and he said, you know, your helmet and your suit are grinding against the ice and it, it's the smell of like melting plastic. Oh my God. I can't imagine. Burns your nostril and you can't go anywhere because the sled's upside down on you. You have to wait till you come to a stop. Man. I, I get scared going down the local hill beside my apartment, like on a sled. I, man, I can't imagine. But was it 150 kilometers an hour? He was saying 140. You can get going 140 on Whistler. Oh, yeah. My crazy oh, man bless his heart uh the men's four-man bobsleigh is later toward the olympics i believe the dates are the 19th 20th for the the i guess the preliminary round and then the final round so jay's got a few weeks until that but off to beijing 
Man, as of the 26, that is fantastic. And then, chance to get him back in green. It's 431. Luke Mulder at 505 next. Chase the ace. Have your tickets ready. We could be calling you and handing you a shot at more than $20,000. It's coming up in the cage. One big number for this day is five. Rider safety Mike Edom has signed up for a fifth year in green. The pending free agent announcing his deal today. He was a West All-Star in 2019, back for more after an injury-shortened 2021. The linchpin of that Riders defense, very excited to have him back wearing the number 15 for a fifth year. One big number brought to you by Realtor June Daku. Get one big number for your farmland. Get Call June Daku, 306-736-7640. Thirty-three on a Friday. It's time for the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. Chase the A. Cindy Fuchs with us. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How about yourself? Derek? Not not bad. You didn't get blown over on the sidewalk on the way up here. It's, it's close. Oh man, it's yeah. vicious out there. You know what goes great with cold weather? Two thousand four hundred thirty-eight dollars to give away. How about that? That's right. That's what we're giving away today. Love it. And the jackpot. If uh, the person who wins uh, draws the Ace of Spades, the Cody Fajardo card, they'll win more than $28,000. We'll talk all about that in a second. We might as well get right to it, shall we? Yeah, you betcha. All right. Spinning to win. We'll draw a winner. They will have a chance to pick one of the 44 remaining cards. Our winner is from Saskatoon, Amanda Schuler. Amanda Schuler of Saskatoon. <laughs> is this week's winner. Amanda will take home at least $2,438, and she'll have a chance to draw for another $28,517. Uh, Zinger's going to try to get Amanda on the phone. He'll make three tries to get her on the phone. If she does, she will pick a card. If not, mm -hmm. I will pick one in her place, and hopefully she takes home a bunch of money. Uh, I was thinking about this on the way home. You and I were across the table from each other, the first go-round of Chase the Ace, and we gave away, what, $600,000? Yeah, just over, yeah. Who wrote that check? Who signed that check? Who, who was responsible for printing up that check? Well, it was printed in our office. I saw it. Yeah. I did not sign it. It's above my signing authority. Okay. But our board, uh, board chair and our CFO, they signed it, and it was pretty exciting to actually see it uh, presenting it was really great. Um, the guy that won, I can't remember his first name, but he's from Estevan. Right. And him and his wife came into the stadium and they we did the pre presentation in front of the camera and he was pretty pretty pumped about that. I can I can only imagine. I, I'm trying to think of the biggest check I've ever seen was like uh, a tax refund when I moved one year and it was a few thousand dollars. Like to see a check that says, is that really that many zeros? That's a lot of zeros. Yeah. I, would, I, would just, I thought about how great that would be and how cool that would be a thing around the office. Well, and he didn't, the winner didn't think he, he said it didn't sink in until they actually saw the check and it oh, was in yeah. his hands. So he said, you know, once he held on to it and he kept on looking at it, he kept on looking down, looking up, looking down. It's like, yeah, you're real. It's here. <laughs> is this, is this a prank? Is this, am I getting punked? What's happening? Well, we don't have $600,000 to give away, but we do have good money for Amanda Schuler of Saskatoon. Amanda, you're with us. I am. Amanda, you are the winner this week in the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation Chase the Ace. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. 
Yes, you have won at least $2,438, but if you draw the ace of spades, I'm going to uh, add in an extra $28,000 or so. Would you be okay with that? I would be, yeah, I would, that would make my weekend for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. All right, uh, Amanda, do you know how our chase the ace works? Uh, not, not 100%, no. Okay, sure. Well, I'll run it through you. We've got numbers 1 through 52, and each one is a card in the deck of cards. If you give me a number between 1 and 52, we'll draw the corresponding envelope. If that contains the Ace of Spades card, you're going to take away the grand prize. Cool? All right. All right. Now, eight numbers are off the board. That's not too many. So, very good chance that you give me the number that that you pick. But if you would, uh, give me a number between 1 and 52, and we will draw that card for you. Okay, well, my lucky number is eight, so we're going to go with that one. Lucky number eight for Amanda Schuler of Saskatoon. That one is available. Cindy Fuchs has the number eight envelope. She will open it up. If it contains the Ace of Spades, it's worth $28,517. And it is the Two of Diamonds. Two of Diamonds. The Two of Diamonds. (laughs) What do you think? Maybe a new lucky number next time, Amanda? Yeah, new lucky number next time, yeah. <laughs> well, nonetheless, you'll take home $2,438. Uh, I don't know. I-, I feel like my electric blanket was the best thing I bought last year, so maybe one of those to get through this winter time. Yikes. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much. That really is a great uh, start to the weekend. L- let me ask you, Amanda, what made you want to be a part of Chase the Ace? Well, I think it's just, you know, you're trying to contribute to the riders right now and, you know, the foundations. And, uh, hey, it's a fun game to pass the wintertime away. So why not? There you go. I love it. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much. We appreciate you being a part of it. Uh, Congratulations, $2,438. And if you want, you can get back in for next week starting at 5 o'clock. Yeah, you bet. Thank you. Awesome. Amanda Schuler of Saskatoon, our winner uh, today. Tickets go back on sale. Won't be long now. Another 21 minutes away. Where do I get tickets from, Cindy? You go to Riderville. And on Riderville, you just click on the foundation. And actually, on even on the app, it says Chase the Ace. You can't miss it. It's all over the place. We're <laughs> well, going to make sure that everybody gets a chance to buy. I like it. I like it because, I mean, if you know Chase the Ace, and, and we know it here, and folks, good chance you've been a part of Chase the Ace somewhere in Saskatchewan in your lifetime. You know it can really, the totals can really climb fast. Yeah, they sure can. And, you know, it feels a little bit slow at this point, but it's still January, and so it's coming. And, uh, you know, the more people buy, and you can get a subscription. Remember I told you that last time, which is great. You want to go away for the winter or a couple of months, just buy your subscription. You're still in. You still could win. Yeah, so uh, one for 10, 10 10 for 20, 50 for 50. 200 for $100 and I can subscribe at any of those levels and I will be guaranteed I will have a ticket for every week that it goes that's right yeah makes it really easy for people I love it I love it riderville.com the place to go uh we wouldn't be here without the folks at Viterra we should mention yep they're our major sponsor and this is the second year that they're sponsoring it and uh they you're, you're right we would not be here without their support and uh, we love that they are backing uh the rider foundation and all the community projects that we fund well, and, and Amanda, it was it was the first thing out of her mouth. Why did you buy a ticket? I wanted to support the riders and the foundation. Yeah, 
So hopefully that uh, resonates with others as well. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Cindy, thank you. I thank wish you. we could give away a little more money, but I know it's coming at some yeah. point because there are only 43 cards left. Well, only 43. <laughs> there are 43 cards left, and the jackpot of $28,517 will roll over to next week, and maybe we could be giving it away to you. Riderville.com, the place to get your tickets, and you could be with us next week, 4.30 right here. On the cage. Cindy, thank you so much. Thank you. We will Have a good weekend. We will be back on the other side of the break. Luke Mullender at 5.05. TSN Sarah Orleski talking a little CFL and a little NHL with us at 5.30. This segment of the show for Nick's Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. 442 with the sports ticker. The Riders have signed Canadian defensive back Mike Adam to a contract extension. Adam returns for his fifth season with the Riders. He played in five games in 2021, tallying 11 tackles and one forced fumble before being sidelined with an injury in a week six. There's eight games on the NHL schedule Friday with one Canadian team in action, and that is Rachel Dory's Vancouver Canucks hosting the Florida Panthers for a 9 p.m. puck drop. Canada's Denis Shapovalov has advanced to the round of 16 at the Australian Open for the first time. Shapo beat number 23 uh, seed Riley Opelka of the United States on Friday. Felix Ogier-Aliassime of Montreal will square off with number 24 seed Daniel Evans of Great Britain in a third round match on Saturday. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Time to call Zinger on the carpets. I need a little theme song for this. Uh, I noticed in your news you didn't have the University of Regina track team news. I'm just not uh, – <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> uh, University of, this is huge for the University of Regina. And uh, uh, the track team uh, adding an Olympian to its track and field team. Uh, here we go. See, this is news to me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, th I thought you might – the name might have scared you off because it is uh, – it, it is a – it's a mouthful. I had to go through a few videos to try to figure out how to say Ushea Reishi Shakiri is joining the Regina Rams track team. He competed at the Olympics for Nigeria in the 100 meter dash. Oh, well, his, his career best time, personal best in the, in the 100 meter dash, 10.02 seconds. That is, that is lightning fast. And he's so, a Regina Cougar. He is a Regina Cougar. Uh, he, is pursuing a master's of engineering at the U of R. So he's decided to join the track team as well. He's going to compete with the team this weekend in Edmonton. And he said in a little video, it's the, he's running the 60 meter dash this weekend. It'll be the first time he's ever run the 60 meter. So he's like, yep, personal best. I guarantee it. <laughs> like, All right. He's got a sense of humor too. Cause if it is the first time you run it, it would be a personal best, no matter what you do. Uh, but he competed, uh, got a bronze medal in the 2019 African Games in Morocco, but went to Tokyo and qualified into the final 24. So got into the semifinals in the men's 100 meter dash. And he is now a University of Regina Cougar. Hit me with that name again. Uh, Usheo Rishi Shakiri. Usheo. Uh, uh, this is what I was able to extrapolate. Usheo Rishi Shakiri. Oshay Urisha Shakiri. 
Yes. Uh, Something like that. He goes on Twitter at Dashos. I think Dashos is probably. Yeah, the- I like Dashos. <laughs> Dashos has come to Regina. I really, I really had to listen. And, and this is this is the thing, right? In sports, you run across so many people with so many different names and pronunciations. Especially in tennis. I've realized that well, the last couple of days. I was like, Eyeballs bulging out. Exactly. You want the you want the crazy uh, Novak Djokovic back in there because you know how to say that one. Yeah. But you just you in this area you go to YouTube and you pull up and you see interviews that he did when it's he my was go to eighteen or nineteen <laughs> and you go oh that came there was one the first one I pulled up and uh, the reporter who's talking to him uh, I guess uh, Dashos's name is very common to her she just rips right through it and you go I don't I wow I, I listened to it ten or fifteen times but I think we got it. Dashos, Dashos, an Olympian running for the Regina Cougars track team. Uh, that is fantastic news for them. And uh, best of luck to him. Masters of Engineering. Come on. Ooh. That's pretty good. He's going to get one of those uh, one of those rings, right? That's what engineers wear. Right. Yeah. On the, on the pinky, I think, right? It is it... it- or is that is that the profession I'm thinking of? Do engineers wear the 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 rings on the pinkies? At my school, they just did really elaborate pranks okay. that only engineers could get away with. Right. One because they did so much, like they worked so hard, they really needed to blow off steam. But two, they had certain knowledge that would allow them to. Oh, you know what we're gonna do? Those two stairwells that meet the bottom. We're just gonna build a new concrete pad on top of that. No one will know that we did it. Oh. <laughs> Okay, that's all right. Sure, that sounds good. Uh, big news from the uh, gambling world. And of course, we'll talk with Aaron Karolnik of TSN Edge at six oh five. Zinger, we don't got to talk about sums of money here necessarily, unless you unless you want to. But somehow, <laughs> some way, you went to an you went to watch an NBA basketball game yesterday and said, "You know what's going to happen? The Indiana Pacers will beat the." Borderline league's best team in the Golden State Warriors. Please tell me what was happening for you yesterday. I've been on the I've been on this thing ever since my my holidays a few weeks ago. I I've been betting on more sports games. I I've done it in the past, but last few last few weeks I've 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 dabbled in it. I my my first round of success came when the Jacksonville Jaguars beat uh, the Colts the final week of the year when they were heavy underdogs. I think they were at like. Plus, I got him at plus seven hundred, I think. Yeah. And I, I and then I I won a good sum of money there, and then the one that you mentioned last night, I was kind of laying around on the sofa and I was thinking to myself, man, I would love to have some entertainment tonight, you know, you know, like Ozark's still a few hours away from coming out. I need some time to fill here, so I I bring up my sports betting app and I take a look at uh, some NBA games that are happening. And uh, I see that the Indiana Pacers are in San Francisco to take on the Golden State Warriors. And they were a plus 950 to win the game. And, so they were almost 10 to 1 to win that game. Yeah, yeah. And usually underdogs in the NBA, from what I've seen the, over the past couple of weeks, usually like a heavy underdog is around like plus 450, pl- maybe plus 500. Yeah. And like this was something that I've never seen before. So I did a little bit of research into it, and it's because the Indiana Pacers, they had a short bench yesterday. They only had like 10 players available or something like that. And also they were playing Golden State, and Golden State up to this point only lost like three games at home all year. And like you said, they're one of the best teams in the league. And so <laughs> I-, I looked at it, and I was like, man, wouldn't that be cool if like – the Pacers just kind of just shocked the world tonight. And I and then I was like, do you know what? I'm going to lay some money down on this. So I put $100 on it, DT. Oh. 
A hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm going to share the money some. I don't care. Right. Uh, I, I, I put a hundred dollars on it, and the return was if the Pacers were to win, they would. Uh, I would win one thousand and fifty dollars. Right. And so it was the most dramatic game ever. Of course, it turned out to be one of the like most. It was crazy. The game went to overtime. The Pacers needed a three at the end of regulation to send it to OT. Okay. They hit it, and it was the most dramatic three ever because it almost went in and out, but then it eventually went in. And then I was like, oh, my God, I still have a chance. So I brought up my 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 app and i was like should i cash out now right. like i was like I, I might just cash out now because i don't like i'm lucky to get to this point but the cash out was only like 350 dollars and so i would only yeah. have won 250 and i was like do you know what i've already gotten this to this far i've gotten to this point i'm just gonna sit back watch this five minutes and ride it out and sure enough the pacers Hung on, and I think they ended up winning by four points in the end. And it was just crazy, and I I was just so happy. So I won $950 last night, DT. Indiana 121, Golden State 117. Going into the game, Indiana 13th in the East with 16 wins. <laughs> Golden State second in the entire NBA with 32 wins. But Zinger spotted value. <laughs> I did. I saw plus nine. When do you, I? That's value. I'm, I'm no expert betting, but when I saw plus nine fifty, I've never seen that number before for an NBA game in my young betting career, and I was like, I'm gonna hop on this, and it worked out for me, and I can't believe it did because everything needed to work out perfectly for the Pacers to win that game yesterday. Like a lot of luck involved. Yeah. Steph Curry missed a couple threes at the end of the game to, uh, to to tie it, and then I was just like, oh man. And then the Pacers ended up getting fouled with like two seconds left, and then they hit a free throw. <laughs> he must to, have just flipped. Yeah, when, when they got when he when he got sent to the line, I was like, "It's done. It's over. There's two seconds left. He's gonna make it a two possession game." Oh man, yeah, that was uh, that's the thing though. Just gonna just gonna put it in the bank and just kind of maybe retire for a bit because that's the thing. When you ride that high, then you think you could do it night in and night out, and that's nope. when no, that's I'm, when they get their money back. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this high. Just uh, to validate your thoughts uh the detroit pistons are in utah tonight detroit an 11 win team second last in the east the jazz uh 29 wins fourth in the west the pistons in that case are only six to one yeah so See? yeah nine and a half to one you just you're spotting value zinger i was I like craziness it. yeah so uh, I'm, I'm gonna put that one on the board that was a, that was a big big time moment for me last night man even bigger than the jaguar win by far because like you said i spotted some kind of value I'm no, yeah. I'm no smarty pants by any means, but I, I thought something fishy about that plus 950. <laughs> I'm so glad I put if, some money on it. That's uh, there's the thing in there's the thing in gambling. Don't want to get too far down the road, but if something should happen 20% of the time, and you're getting a price that they think it's only going to happen 10% of the time, that's value. Yeah, you squeeze out a little value, and sometimes you hit it. <laughs> sometimes you hit it. That's pretty, pretty. I wonder how good. many people around the around the globe laid a bet on the Pacers yesterday, and how much money was lost from the books on that game yesterday. I'm gonna guess not much, because Golden State is such a team that the public yeah. loves, and the Pacers are just awful until. Yeah. Until yesterday, the text line is always open at 306-936-6262. It's brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. And the questions are about he was released less than an hour ago officially. 
The Lions letting go Canadian receiver Lamar Durant. He was a big-time acquisition for them ahead of the 2019 season. The local guy started it off in Calgary. He's coming home. Here's 200 grand a year. Let's go. Let's go. They've decided that 200 grand is too much for this coming season. So this has got to be based on it being January 21st. This has got to be, hey, and I have nothing to back this up, but just when you see enough of it, it's got to be, Lamar, we want you to take a pay cut. No, I don't want to do that. All right, you're free to go. Yeah. And for Durant, he gets out ahead of it, right? We just talked about him yesterday, too, I, I think. We were, like, thinking what what his future might be. Well, with that BC receiving core, yeah. right? they gave Lucky Whitehead $200,000. They've got Dominic Rimes. If they want to pay Brian Burnham, they couldn't possibly have paid Lamar Durant. So this would open the door to getting Brian Burnham back, mm -hmm. if that's what Burnham wants. Who knows? Uh, just question on the text line. Uh, if the Riders sign this receiver from BC, speaking of Durant, what could he bring to the table? Durant's a big-body guy who's got some really nice hands. He's... He, for his entire career, has operated to that wide side of the field. He, when he had his best season, he had 84 targets in 2019. He ran in the Kyron Moore spot, the Greg Ellingson spot. He was that slot back to the wide side of the field. Big body, had one drop in 84 targets in 2019, so really worked well with Michael Riley, but injuries just got in the way for him in uh, 2021. Uh, that said, didn't he catch one of the... Remember the first game for the Riders where they played the Lions and Michael Riley's arm was not right mm -hmm. and he threw all those wobbly ducks? I'm pretty sure Durant was one of the guys who came down with one of those. Yeah, the one that got shot in the air, the ball, and it was like, <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. I'm. It was going from left to right, if I if I remember correctly. I like that. I like that you've taken that because that's how I visualize yeah. it too. Yeah, he operates mostly out of the slot. Whether he could slide down and be a guy like Braden Lenius. I don't know about that. Canadians usually, I mean, Canadians get cast into one of those kind of three roles, right? You're the wide side wide receiver. If you're Durant level and Durant is really good at his peak, you can move inside to the slot or you can come even further down and be the guy who, who gets called in the block some more. BC already had that in Javon Katoy, who is just a mountain sized receiver. I think he, he goes about 230, 235. So uh, Durant's got some skills, but do at 62220 can he do a can you plug him in Lenius spot does he have any or uh, Corey Watson spot right? right that's that becomes the thing any um, reps at that at that at that position or is mostly the two spot it's mostly it's mostly the two spot he would have caught some balls where you just you line up a third guy out yeah. there but it's it's the being called in the block and to get okay you've that's got the, the that's the big part hand, right you've got the blitzer coming off the backside that's that's a different role so GMs would kind of assess, hey, do we want that? Do we need that? Honestly, if he ended up if he ended up back at Calgary, Calgary, I mean, they'll let if they re-sign Kamar running that number three role. Um, I mean, anything is possible for the Edmonton Elks these days. Mm -hmm. Just literally anything. Um yeah, Winnipeg would be set for Canadians that well, Wolotarski's free, but you'd be wasting Durant to just stick him out that far. Got real, real He'll have some options. Let's say that real potential for like a lot of receiving cores to look a lot, a lot different when you look at the guys. Like Jordan might be elsewhere. Durant might be elsewhere. Who knows with Burnham? Who knows with Lawler? You know, who, Shaq. Like, well, that's that's yeah. one thing. That's like one like really 
headline to look for when free agency starts. Like, yeah, these receiving cores could be like could totally different. Well, the news today from Justin Dunk that officially Zach Caleros is the highest paid player in the Canadian Football League, signing a deal for five hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, it is a one-year deal. Zach, Willie, uh, Jeff Coat, Big Hill got a raise over last year, according to the reporting. Uh, Jamarcus Hardrick back. Start to go, well, at what point is Winnipeg going to let guys go? And, I mean, we've talked about this. For me, I, if I'm Winnipeg, I would probably let Kenny Lawler, if he wants, I'd probably He's wanting this, him in yeah. hope. He's one of this top six free agent type money. Yeah, because Kalaros can lift receivers up. Kalaros behind that protection, to me, can lift receivers up. So I don't think they need to pay Lawler. But they have, like, no receivers right now, though. That's the thing, the Bombers. Like, Lawler and Adams both are not under contract right now. Nor Wolitarski or Bailey or basically Dembski's. Like, they need need to set some money aside for some kind of receivers. (laughs) But yeah. how are they going to do that when they're giving on? Uh, that's their problem, I guess. <laughs> that is their problem. <laughs> the Riders getting back Mike Edom. We'll talk about that with Luke Mulliner, the impacts of that move. Plus, Luches Purifoy not happy, saying on Twitter that he's getting lowballed by the Riders. That for Luke as well. Plus, his thoughts on the players the Riders are re-signing versus the players that other teams are getting back under contract. That's when Luke Mulliner joins us at 5.05. News is next on 6.20 CKRM. on a Friday, the Sports Cage brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Luke Mullender with us, and Luke, we talked to Jay Dearborn a little earlier in the show, off to the Olympics for bobsled. How much of Zinger's gambling winnings would I have to give you to get into a bobsled going 140 kilometers an hour? Well, you know, a guy my size probably really affects the uh, the fluidity of that bobsled. I, I don't think I qualify. I mean, I could probably give him a good start off the uh, off the hop there when you start sprinting it down this place. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm gonna need to reinforce those uh, those blades if I'm getting in it. So um, I'm gonna take a hard pass. That looks like a young man, more more of a slim man sport than than anything. Yeah, Jay at six three two fifteen. He's like, yeah, you just you just slide in there. You make yourself as small as possible. Uh, that would be a problem for for quite a few of us. We have, gosh, one, two, three. Oh, we got three or four things to discuss. Uh, first up, uh, do you see the news? The BC Lions releasing wide receiver Lamar Durant just before the four o'clock hour. Yeah, I saw that. It's interesting, right? Uh, we we know that they've uh, they paid two hundred k for the second best wide receiver on their team. And, you know, uh, it, it really depends on just sort of what their plan is. I think, uh, I think they've probably, they've probably shown their hand in terms of, in terms of, you know, what, where they want to go from here. Uh, it was a really interesting, uh, interesting development though, but here is the thing. I mean, the, the, the letting go of Lamar Durant really hurt the BC lines, right? Like uh, I, I would think not obviously. So I think that, yeah, you know, you, you, you got to set your priorities. And again, you know, I talked about, remember when we talked about that Jacksonville just sort of feeling right. Like where, where an owner sort of, sort of doesn't necessarily know what he wants, but just wants to make a splash. Well, they made a splash with lucky whitehead, but that was going to come at a cost. And uh, you know, you, 
you releasing one of the best, you know, one of a Canadian receiver that, you know, okay, may, may, may well have not balled out when he's in BC, but still he's a Canadian receiver. That's productive. I mean, we're looking at a league that, that still employs Danny Vandervoort, right? So, um, again, I, they're going to have to make some tough decisions there. And I think that, uh, you know, uh, as they continue on down, I really think they need some guidance in terms of their strategic, you know, priorities, especially on their roster. Yeah, I, I think in it would be safe to say in 2019, I'm just going back into those numbers to dig up, Durant would have been the best Canadian receiver in 2019. Uh, numbers-wise, performance-wise, hands-wise, he was fantastic. Injured in 2021, but now he is free to anybody, which, I mean, if if you're on the free agent market, what is this, 15 days, 20 days before anybody else? That's a nice little that's a nice little perk for Durant. You're not getting your 200K, but you're, you're free to any team right now. Well, more importantly, every team knows that you're free. Right. And uh, and they're able to say, OK, well, you know, if, if we were to take a stab at Lamar Durant, uh, you know, where, where would we go for them and why would we do that? So, for instance, um, if you're the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you you re up McInnes, you, you left you left Braden Lenius off, obviously, because he had other aspirations. Uh, you've got Schaefer Baker. You know that, you know, you just re-signed Jake Hardy. Um, does Lamar Durant become a priority? Probably not, right? But uh, in a place that, uh, you know, for instance, like Toronto or, or somewhere else, I think that uh, there's, there's definitely going to be a fit. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. All right, uh, what do you want to do first, Mike Adam or Luchez Purifoy? Because Purifoy was, was having some Twitter times uh, last night slash this morning. Yeah, this isn't uh, – again, it's one of those deals, DT, we talk about it, you you, you got to – you got to take your emotions out of the, out of the, out of everything. Right. And, uh, again, not every team. I mean, it only see the only team that seems like they, they're getting everybody back is the Winnipeg blue bombers. Right. And, uh, and, and even them, right. Uh, they, they'll probably run dry. They're, they're probably going to have to part ways, but, uh, Jeremy O'Day's got a job to do. Right. And, um, and I think that when you throw things up, I, I, I gotta tell you, um, you, you know, uh, some guys might have might have jumped at an opportunity to remain with the team. Some guys, you know, depending on who you're talking to, some guys might think that whatever the team's talking about is good money. And, and, and some guys may be like Luchez Purifoy and are really dead set on, on, on getting what he feels is what he's worth. Mm-hmm. Now, for myself, I would encourage that. Right, we always talk about needing to separate the emotion uh, um, from the actual business, and um, it's sort of like you know what I texted you uh, while I was while I was catching part of the show. I just happened to turn it on while you guys were, were were talking about Duke, and 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 I said you know Duke would be absolutely insane to not test the free agency market, right? Like he's 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 got a he's got a huge window. He's one of the only like you can only you only have a window to maximize value for so long. Mm-hmm. And if Luchez, you know, thinks that window is still open, uh, more power to him. He proved to be a tremendously versatile asset here on the field for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders over the last two years. But uh, sorry, last two seasons that hasn't been the last two years, last two seasons. Yeah. But especially in 2021, solved a lot of problems for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, not just in emergency situations, but also roster wise when they had a whole week to game plan. Right. So, uh, again, um, guys are going to want their value. 
And in the Canadian Football League, one of the things you always hear is, is, is people talking about, well, the more you can do. Well, hold on a second. Here's a guy who's played safety. He's played halfback. He's played strong side linebacker. Well, there is a value to that. And, and, and I think that, I think that it's, it's admirable that, uh, that, that guys continue to look for their value. Now, um, the one thing you just want to avoid is, is, is again, getting as emotional as, as you get right uh, on social media. Um, cause I mean, that, that's really not going to win you a battle, right? Um, there, there's, there's ways to handle certain, certain aspects of your business and, 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 and venting on, on Twitter, especially isn't going to, isn't going to get you more money, right? Yeah. Um, your opportunity to get more money. If you disagree with Jeremy O'Day is at the negotiation table and every negotiation starts out at some point. Um, the team will take where they think your value is. They'll, they'll, they'll set a max. They'll, they'll start at the minimum. Your job is to set your own max. They'll try to get you down. You try to get them up. This, that's the business. It ain't, Oh, I'm going on Twitter and going to remind everybody who I know <laughs> you don't get extra cheese like that. So I think that Luchez is, I, I'm, I'm glad that he's, that he's advocating for himself. Um, if it, it definitely sounds like he is because you have to. Exactly. Right? Um, yep. One of the things, the one of the things that I realized when I retired is, is, is how fleeting the game is. But um, again, you, you only have, you only have a certain window to make. And remember I texted you DET, uh, like my agent used to tell me, you know, you, you only get one big contract, right? And the guys that, that open themselves up to two big contracts, well, they're elite. Right now, for for there might be a feeling in Luchez's mind that he hasn't gotten his big contract yet, right? So so more power to him. I hope he gets what he wants, whether it's in Saskatchewan or whether it's on another squad. But you're not gonna your your negotiation isn't gonna be one on Twitter. I can promise you that. JL probably doesn't even know how to use the app. <laughs> Luchez is on Twitter at Walking Turnover Five. This is what uh, his tweets were. He says, "I know my worth. Don't play with me when it comes to this football, especially when I'm the most versatile DB in the league." And when guys tweet stuff, I I I always try to examine it and go, "Well, Shaq Johnson, are you really the best Canadian receiver in the CFL?" Okay, no. But Luchez Purifoy. We've talked about this before. You you ran down a bunch of it. For the Riders alone, he's been Sam linebacker, field half, and safety. When he was in Ottawa, he was a boundary corner. Uh, there's not a position in that back six that he can't play. So most versatile DB in the league. If he's not, then he's pretty darn close. Uh, someone then mentions to Luchez the salary cap. Luchez says, I understand that completely, but clearly, clearly they don't value me for real, for real. No hard feelings. It's business, right? He then, other folks and fans presumably are interacting with him. In answer to a question, uh, Luchez indicates that the Riders are lowballing him, in his opinion. Which, I don't know, does it, does it make a difference, Luke? Uh, I feel like he should have been an all-star for two consecutive seasons now. He didn't get voted in in 19, and he got, he got shortchanged in my mind because of the positional switch that he did for the Riders in 2021. Does that matter in his negotiation that he's not, in fact, a back-to-back all-star? Really thinking about it. Luke's always putting some thought into it. We got a little mute problem, a little mute button problem. Hello? Oh, there he is. There's the man. Man, Jesus, mute button's killing me. (laughs) Anyway, so we've talked about this before, you know, and this is why I always say business is business because um, during the season, right, when business is taken care of, you make the team, your contract is what it is. 
um, that's when that's when the the the, the unification happens, right? The, the every man, you know, is doing it for the guy beside him. Those type of things, and um, players will 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 quite often do everything that the coaches ask of them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, down to a T, because that's what they're being asked to do, and that's what's best for the team, right? But hey, this guy did what the coach asked him to do. That's not a negotiable aspect of like you don't. That's not a statistic. That's not a, it's not a statistic where it says Luchez did everything he could for the team, including switch a bunch of positions. Yeah. Right. The, the, the statistics that matter are production points, right. Are interceptions, tackles, um, grade outs. Right. Uh, and it's funny because those are what become prevalent. But then when you look back on it, players say, well, wait a second, man. It, well, that wasn't, the, that wasn't the deal when we were in the locker room. When we were in the locker room, it was like every – I'm doing whatever I can for so-and-so, right? So, so Luchez is just uh, – right now, I mean, he's in a spot where, where all, of the, all of the lip service that the media in terms of how much he's done for the team, none of it matters, right? Remember what I always say, and you laugh at me for saying this, but men lie, women lie, numbers don't. And when it comes time to negotiate contracts, they look squarely at the numbers. They don't look at the asterisks. They don't look at the goodwill, right? That doesn't, that doesn't matter for anything. If you're a core guy, that, that counts for a little bit, like it would have counted, for, but, but at the end of the day, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's what your value is based on the numbers and the data they're looking at, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and he did everything for the squad that he could. That, that's not a stat, and it's unfortunate because – because that's what they ask of you when you're in the middle of the year. So it doesn't balance out. And, you know, for a guy like Luchez, again, that's why, that's why I would say that, hey, you need to advocate for yourself. Nobody else is going to. So him saying, you know, they're, they're lowballing me, yeah, that's their job, right? And, and here's the other thing. Jake Hardy, some of those guys, whether they signed recently or they signed during the thing, some of those guys might have got lowballed too, but you know what? They were fine with it, right? Some of those guys might have thought that, Hey, you know, I just I need to get where I put like Jake Hardy, right? DT, if they yeah. lowball him, guess what he doesn't have? Leverage. Thank you. Yeah. Right. Luchez has leverage. Oh Luchez yeah. Is, that's you know, so you can run your mouth or whatever. It's not going to get business done, like I said. But hey, you may as well. Again, you only have a certain amount of window to make your money. Luchez and, turned uh, uh, 29 in December. That's still a few years younger than some of the guys that. Oh, that shoot, he runs man! With. I tell you, stuff like Eddie Davis was running around there with us, leading us when he was like 55. Yeah, <laughs> Luchez, is, Luchez has got some years left, right? And that's yep. that's why it's important for Luchez to stand his ground. Although you shouldn't stand it in social media, but you know I get it, right? Because some guys think they're going to win a war in social media. Some some agents, shoot, some agents <laughs> will tell you, you know what you need to do. You need to go tweet your unhappiness, and that'll get him rolling, right? Like some agents, that's a strategy. Well, it's, but it, at the end it, of the day, he needs to advocate for himself. And yeah. so does Duke Williams, right? Cool. That's why Duke Williams needs to hit the free agency market, right? Out of all the receivers in that locker room, the only person who had massive leverage, Duke Williams. He needs to be out there and see where his value is because he understands that if his value is all the same, he can always come back to Saskatchewan. Uh, Zinger, right. I'm going to need, if you have a round of applause uh, ready to go, we need one from the text line for TC and Medicine Hat. Uh, TC on the uh, Purifoy situation says, is it possible that Luchez is just hangry? Yes. I can't believe it. 
Yes, GC. And in answer to your question, it is not too soon. That is a fantastic one-liner. Uh, it, it's 520. We continue with Luke Mullender. We'll talk Mike Adam, and we'll talk who the Riders have signed versus some other teams. It's coming up in the cage. 522 afternoon rush. The Riders have signed Canadian defensive back Mike Adam to a contract extension. Adam returns for his fifth season with the Riders. He played in five games in 2021. He had 11 tackles, one forced fumble before being sidelined with an injury in week six, that Banjo Bowl game. Titans will have uh, running back Derrick Henry on the field for their AFC Divisional game with Cincinnati. Henry was moved from the injured reserve to the active roster on Friday. Despite missing the final nine games, Henry still finished as the league's ninth leading rusher with 937 yards along the ground. The Edmonton Oilers have placed veteran forward Kyle Turris on waivers. The Oilers are currently on an extended slump that has seen the team drop 13 of 15 games. 13 out of 15. Terrible. Terrible. Absolutely. Kyle Terrible. Kyle Terrible (laughs) on. I hope some Oilers fans are rolling that one. Luke Mullinder with us. Uh, Luke, Mike Adam back for year number five. You love it. You hate it. You're indifferent to it. What are you feeling? I like it. It's probably a, it's probably a friendly deal for for both. Uh, not necessarily a quote unquote prove it deal, but uh, I'll tell you what: if there was one guy on on the team that that I feel like has grown the most since he's gotten into the green and white, I think it's Mike. Um, I don't know the guy too well. I just I just know who he was when he came to the squad, and I know who he is now. And I and I listened to to that young man, and and uh, I really think he's grown into a into a good role here. I think he's become a guy um, who can be looked at and be respected as, as not only a leader but a guy to lean on. Um, I uh, admired his. I admired that the leadership didn't stop when he went down to injury. Yes. Um, you, you saw him coaching his butt off during, during games and during discussions on the sidelines, you saw him engaged. And, um, and again, it's really tough as an athlete when you, when you, when you're told your season's over to really stay engaged and really be positive. Right. Uh, because at, 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 at some point in time, you, you even start feeling disconnected from the fellas. There's just conversations that doesn't matter who you hang out with. You are just not part of, and that hurts, um, you know, and, and you start talking and thinking about what your career looks like, but, but, but Adam really seemed to embrace it and can, and, and be intent on continuing his role in, in any way he could. And I think that, I think that it did a lot of good. When we started seeing the rotation in that secondary and guys playing in different spots, the young guys that they had to put in at the field side, Luchez moving around, uh, um, a big aspect of that. And these are young guys that were thrown in now. Um, and that playbook isn't easy, right? And you need mentors. And I really think that the secondary has, and the whole defense really and and maybe even the team looks at Mike as a guy that, hey, this is a guy that, that we're willing to, to run through a wall for. And so it's, it's a real positive to see him back in Rider Nation. I hope he gets as healthy as he can because we know that he can produce. And that's the mm-hmm. other thing. He's not, one, he's not a guy that's just, you know, just there and, and is only bringing one aspect of leadership to the team. When he's on the field, he's, he's productive. And uh, he gets everybody in the right spot. And he's a guy that can be leaned on 
So yeah, it's it's a really good thing that that Adam is is back in the fold, um, and now the work is on him and uh, to to get as healthy as possible. And thankfully, they know now or that they're the high likelihood of them playing a regular off season, right, and going into camp May and, Ju- and June versus having that anxiety and and really the. The, the gray area of what the next step will be. It's got to be really refreshing for guys who went through the fact that they didn't know anything was happening to now at least see a light in the end of the tunnel and have a schedule and know when their first exhibition games for. So they know, they know now where they need to it, to be in terms of their, their layout for their, their off season training. Uh, I think a guy like that embraces not only the rehab aspect, but just preparing for the season. And hopefully he's got guys around him that are on the squad that can work out with him and really sponge off some of the things that he's going to, or the, at least the way he approaches the year. Yeah. He's got a, he's part of a good crew of uh, former university of Calgary guys who, who get together and, and work out. And we had Mike on the final show of 20, 2021 when he was in the super draft said yep no problem uh, there's no question that he'll be ready after that broken wrist for well it's uh, funny too when season. when when I, I used to work out back home in mississauga in toronto right and and uh andre dury would always would always make sure that that the, that any any cfl player that was in the area knew that we had access to the uh, the hershey center uh soccer fields Mm-hmm. Um, and in certain days and certain times, and there was a drove of guys there. And to be honest with you, there wasn't too many D linemen, right? It was running. It was primarily wide receivers, and you know they do all their fancy workouts and all these, you know, fancy little springs and parachutes and you know the newest equipment, blah blah blah. But as a D lineman, so I was, I, I would always go over there. There'd be a couple guys there, but it's just being around guys that matters it's 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 being seeing guys that do what you do even if it's only within an hour so yeah. when you have a guy a group of uc guys when you have a group of cfl guys around each other it's just the energy there that you approach things with so it's going to be infectious but more importantly for him it's going to be important because um you know he's one of the guys that that not only has to get in shape but also has to rehab yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mike will turn 33 in July, so still some time uh, left for him. The Riders getting the centerpiece of their defense back, or the center fielder for their defense back for 2022. Luke, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. We'll talk to you on Monday. Yeah, man, have a great weekend. Hey, NFL playoffs, man, I'm excited. Yeah, uh, uh, Niners or Packers? Neither. I hope they both lose. I hope they. <laughs> I hope they, everybody breaks their ankle. There we go. <laughs> He's Luke Molitor with us every Monday and Friday on the Sports Cage. All the guests of the show are on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. We'll go to break on the other side. TSN Sarah Orleski on the CFL, NHL, and more. It's the Sports Cage on six twenty CKRM. Five thirty-one on a Friday, the sports cage for Nelson Holmes. The text line is open at 306-936-6262. What do you think? Luches Purifoy on Twitter saying that getting lowballed in negotiations. You want Luch back? Would you feel okay letting him walk? What do you think? Please do jump on into the conversation. We welcome in Winnipeg's finest, Sarah Orleski of TSN on the Western Pizza Hotline. How are you, buddy? 
I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Uh, things are okay. I'm about an hour and 30 minutes away from having barbecue takeout. So actually, uh, I, I feel that sense of anticipation, but also the hunger that goes with it. So I, it's, it's a discomfort here. I'm about 15 minutes away from having uh, a nice glass of uh, Prosecco. So different, <laughs> but I feel your, I feel the same in terms of anticipation and, uh, you know, a little hole in the stomach right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, so we're basically, we're keeping you from your Prosecco is what you're saying here. You know, not many people could keep me from a Prosecco uh, on a Friday night, DT, but uh, you are one of the few. <laughs> you, you're a good woman. I appreciate that. It's, it's great to have you with us every Friday here on The Cage. Uh, this is a big picture question for you, uh, but what is Mike O'Shea's deal? We've been talking about the Bombers <laughs> are able to re-sign all their stars. Yesterday was both Big Hill and Zach Caleros, and Caleros is the highest paid player in the league, but... Honestly, maybe I feel like all these guys could have got more money elsewhere. So I come to you with what is Mike O'Shea's deal? I think it's it's a combination of not just Mike, but I mean, the organization um, as a whole and the way that they've been treated and what they've started there. I mean, you look at the success, obviously, that they've had in the last couple of years in terms of or last couple of seasons in terms of the Grey Cup championships, but even a couple before then, when you started to see of everything coming together, but I just think that there is, there's an atmosphere around there. There's obviously a winning pedigree, but there's an atmosphere around there where guys buy into not only what he is selling, but what each other is selling too. I just think that the last year in particular, we looked at the roster that they had, the personalities that they had. And I think that they had such a strong room. You look at the success that the rookies had. I mean, you think about job that they did with the secondary and the DBs when you had all the rookies in and what Brandon Alexander was able to do, but everyone just buys in. And it's one of those, this is the way that we do things. And if you don't like it, you need to leave essentially. Like you just, there's no, there isn't room for, anything other than kind of the bomber way and it's obviously it's proving successful and as soon as you have success I mean it's certainly easier to get guys to (laughs) buy into the idea of taking maybe a little bit less than they would have on the open market to be able to be around that yeah for for all the storylines of 2021 with the bombers and the the heroes and the stars and the MOPs and the MODPs uh, going into the season, I thought, okay, they're in trouble because what are they going to do with those boundary side defensive backs? And then all of a sudden, Deatrick Nichols and DeAndre Alford are unbelievable and and uh, an important piece of where they ended up going. All right, uh, the bile is on my tongue. We've got your insight on uh, Mike O'Shea. I can't do any more bombers this week. <laughs> this week. You're a good woman for uh, – for doing that with us. So. I just, you know what, to be honest, even the last few days and not just from a bomber perspective, but just around the league, as you start to hear, I mean, you think about the signings that uh, the riders have had and you hear about different things across the league and it starts to get you excited again. It's right. the middle of January, but around the corner, I mean, even beyond just the start of free agency around the corner, it's going to be no time at all before there's training camps and oh. Look at how early the preseason is this year. It's, It'll be here before you know it, which is good because we have a crazy amount of snow. I don't know what you guys have. 
out there. But we have a crazy amount of snow. So the idea right now of a warm summer day and spending it at a stadium sounds very appealing. <laughs> Agreed 100%. Sarah Orleski of TSN with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Uh, let's talk some Winnipeg Jets. And let me let me start with this. How grateful are you that you do not cover the Edmonton Oilers right now? <laughs> you know what? I have to say that for a number of years, I've <laughs> I thought that um, yeah. I was, you know, here's my thing is that people have, I think one of the most common misconceptions is that if you cover a team or a base or a market that you cheer for that team, I may cover the Winnipeg Jets. I always say I sleep the exact same, really, regardless of what their record is, but it's certainly more enjoyable to cover a winning team. Or even when you look from a CFL perspective, after so many years of a dysfunctional bombers organization, just for there to be some, sort of stability and consistency with it without all the drama. Mm-hmm. And I used to say, though, every time that the Oilers would be out of contention so early on, I mean, usually even before the calendar had flipped over to the new year, uh, I used to say, oh, this is, I mean, I feel for the broadcasters, for the media, because that this is a long, 82 games is a long season at the best of times in normal times. But when there's so much drama or teams are already essentially out of contention, it just, it's a hard, it's a hard sell to kind of sell viewers and sell readers on it. So it's taxing. I'm, I'm glad that there's a little bit more stability here. <laughs> yeah. Things are not going near as bad for the Winnipeg Jets and potentially getting better. Uh, Blake Wheeler, how close to returning should we believe he is? Uh, I think very close. I mean, I won't be surprised if we see him in the lineup tomorrow against Boston. It's an afternoon game. They've got two afternoon games this weekend, Boston tomorrow, and then Pittsburgh on Sunday. And I think that they said they would see how he felt after practice today. He pushed himself again. It was considered a full practice. He wanted to get some contact in. Obviously, I'm not in Boston right now. So Mm -hmm. you're kind of just going by what what you're reading or what you're what you're hearing, but Dave Lowry did say in his availability today that um, they would talk to him and see he had him skating on a line with Mark Shifley, which is where he said he might not start when he gets back into the lineup, but it's where he wants to finish a game. And I would be, I won't be surprised at all if he's in the lineup tomorrow against the Bruins, which would, so you know what? I mean, the Jets have had to deal with a lot in terms of injuries and COVID and their lineup has been in such flux recently that regardless of how long Blake Wheeler's been out, I mean, certainly a, a veteran, the the captain of your team to be able to have him back in, in any capacity, however they use him will be a plus for this team. He last played December 10th. And that was, you know, the heat of the, the CFL season. Uh, just looking at his numbers, 22 games, one goal, 16 assists. Uh, it made me realize I don't remember what the talk about Blake Wheeler was at the time he was injured. What What's the perception of the season that, that Blake has had? It's been a tough season for him and for a multitude of reasons. He had COVID. He was the first Jet to be in COVID protocol. So that slowed down the start of his season ways. And then he just, he hadn't been able to find the back of the net finally did and then got injured. And what what was too bad, I mean, you never want to see a player injured at any point in time, but you look at his game on December 10th against the Canucks and say it was probably the best game that we'd seen him play this season. And he had had a couple of games where his, where his overall play was trending in that direction. And you were starting to see the improvement and he was finding his legs and, and the puck just wasn't going in for him. 
but mm-hmm. he he was getting chances and so i think it was when he scored he actually you know he made the motion of throwing the proverbial monkey off of his back for it so <laughs> it it's been a it's been a rough go for him so far this season so we'll see whether or not he's able to uh, get his game back in order because the Jets could certainly use it because they're going to be in tough. I mean, they there's certainly there's not the drama around the team the way that there is with the Edmonton Oilers right now. But this team is has had its hiccups and is in a fight right now where uh, they will be in a fight for a wild card spot. I don't see a scenario really in which they're going to finish in the top three in the Central Division. So it's going to be a fight for and when you look at what their schedule is going to be coming up in February. And then beyond, they need to start stringing some wins together. Yeah, they have games in hand, right, over the Avs, Predators, and Blues. But on points, they are really still, even even including that, quite far behind. So uh, the wild cards in their future. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers took that awful, what, knee-on-knee shot. Is, is it, do, you, do we know when he's back? Week to week is what um, Darren Dreger had first reported last night and then Dave Lowry confirmed it today. So I think that it's not as bad. MCL sprain is uh, what we've, was what's being reported and mm-hmm. which is better than what they were thinking, I think originally and what they feared it originally was, but look at him. He's third in points, a team. He's a dynamic player can bring so much to him. And he's had to deal with a bunch too. I mean, it's just, just, it hasn't been a smooth season for anybody really um for a lot of the hiccups they've had so he was behind Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois in terms of points and when you lose someone with that sort of speed and skill in your top six obviously it hurts but uh, the good news is that he shouldn't be out as long as they originally feared well that would be good news absolutely Sarah Orleski TSM with us uh, on the cage I, I'm, I'm enjoying seeing the schedules leak out for what was the Olympic break, and now Edmonton has 11 games or whatever in that break. Uh, six games in nine nights during the, during what was going to be the Olympic break? Congratulations, Jets. That sounds awful. Oh, well, and this is where said, I mean, that they have the tough schedule in front of them. I was joking last night on our broadcast. I hope everybody wants to see a lot of the Jets on TSN crew because <laughs> we we seem to be spending almost every night together in February. <laughs> but they, I mean, it's a really challenging schedule. And you, and you think about uh, after the All-Star break, the taxi squad's supposed to go away. And obviously then considerations like your salary cap come back into it and the Winnipeg Jets have salary are up against the cap so there's considerations there as well and and you fear about how quickly things can either really how you can either get back into things quickly or how quickly you can fall out of it because for the Jets there's a number of games against divisional opponents and that's where they basically they need to make up some of the ground if they're going to but you also look at injuries and just the the impact of it so these are the games coming up. They have a tough schedule right now, but when you look at games against an Arizona, maybe a Chicago, you look at teams that that are struggling to put together wins. Those are the ones where you're going to look back and say, those are two points we have to have, or we had to have. Um, the easy one, uh, quote unquote, easy ones. Uh, you can't You can't afford to give up. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that this is uh, a veteran team now they have some young pieces in it as people start to get healthier and and they really start to find 
what they're hoping is some chemistry, obviously, because they've, mm. they've gone so often without, like they're in a stretch right now, DT, where they're playing four games in six days. They'd only had one game in the previous 11. So they've, they've had such long breaks in between that I think they haven't been able to find necessarily the consistency. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to put forth because there was a lot of expectations for this group going into this season. At Boston tomorrow afternoon, at Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon. Uh, give me something you'll watch for tomorrow in the game against Boston. Give me give me one thing you're curious to see tomorrow. Well, I mean, obviously, if if Blake Wheeler's back, that's an that's an easy one. Um, Brendan Dillon should be returning to the. I so I can't just give you one. Brendan <laughs> Dillon should be returning to the. It's, could I be more difficult? Give me one. No, I won't. I'll give you however many I want. Don't um, get pissy with me, Orleski. Exactly. <laughs> DT, I will tell you how many points I'm going to give you. Um, no, but I, I will see about return. I will be interested to see how the returning players factor into it. But I'd also like to see, you know, when when they have some of the opportunities um to be able to get to the net, whether or not they're able to establish kind of that physical presence and whether we see some direct lines from them for it. And Brad Marchand being in the lineup for Boston will be a, is a boost for the Jets, Mm -hmm. given the season that he's having and the high quality of player that he is. Um, So it'll be interesting to see, but want to see how they rebound because Nashville got away from them quickly uh, with the fact that Nashville was able to jump out to that three nothing lead in the first period. So I'll be interested to see how they respond, knowing that these are important games and they and the schedule that they have ahead of them. All right. The most important question that I'll ask, is it Prosecco or, or is it Prosecco? Prosecco. See, and I always Correct. I always call it Prosecco. So when I typed it in to learn what the hell I was talking about, like, no, no, did you mean Prosecco? I'm like, oh, yeah, but it just it's always Prosecco in my mind. Right. No, Prosecco. I thought you were going to ask me the most important question is whether or not, since you asked Luke about um, 49ers Packers, which I wasn't happy with his answer before I came on, what are, my feeling was going to be. Are you on, on one side? Are you on one side of this rivalry or what's, I, yes. I don't know what your NFL team is, honestly. Packers. You're a Packers fan. Oh, oh boy. Through and through. So what do you think of uh, the, the hope that they all get uh, concussed and nobody ends up winning the game because ho- awful things happen? Yeah, and broken ankles? No, I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. Luke and I are going to have words. This is... <laughs> so I'm my fingers are crossed. I'm, I'm high anticipation for tomorrow night's game for it. And uh, yeah, hoping obviously for different results than the last time these two teams played in the postseason. Don't run a quarterback draw with no timeouts in 14 <gasps> seconds. Left. Luke's team wor- oh. found that out real the hard way. Yeah, no kidding, huh? This just in. What's one of the basics that you need to know? Rules, boat. <laughs> if you're gonna, and if you're gonna take the, uh, if you're gonna give the ball. Don't give it to your center. Yeah. Perhaps find now. Perhaps find the ref. Zinger asked me how I feel about the game because Zinger is the biggest Packer fan I know. I said I'm 100% confident because I don't think uh, – San Francisco's got some good parts to them, but I think the Packers handle it. Uh, how confident are you going into that matchup? Well, I get a little hot and sweaty anytime I think about the Packers in the postseason just with the way that the results have gone in recent years. Yep. <laughs> it always makes me a little bit nervous. But, no, I think that especially in Lambeau with the conditions that they're going to have – they tell you which quickly can I just say every time I see a reporter a NFL reporter talk about 
the conditions that are going to be in Lambeau and having to be outside in those, like, oh, they have no idea. I mean, it's one game. DT, you can attest to, too, although you're usually in a warm booth. You were on the field for the West Final. You you were on the field for that Western Final. It was brutal that day. It sure was. Oh, (laughs) it sure was. So there's a small part of me. I never like to see, you know, I shouldn't say there's a small part of me that always appreciates when other people get to experience cold as well, uh, just so that they can truly understand what it is (laughs) that it's like to be on the sidelines in those temperatures. But we do it week in and week out, it seems, during the end of the season and and early into the postseason. Oh, if if so. there was a regular NFL game that was in the conditions that 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 Western final was in that you had to live through on the field, the NFL Network all the next day would be like, we need to move these. Every playoff game needs to be in Miami because they would not well, tolerate that for long. I I just remember doing the post game interview. I mean, it was really cold, but I remember doing the post game interview with Zach and his teeth chattering. <laughs> I'm just so cold. Was, yeah. Well, now you know how it feels to be on the sidelines. <laughs> exactly. She's Sarah Orleski of TSN. She covers the Jets, the Bombers, and everything. She's with us on Fridays on the Cage, and she's about to just absolutely murder a prosecco. Sarah, thank you, buddy. Hey, have a great weekend and go pack. There we go, Sarah yeah, Orleski. Go pack, go with us on that's the that's right. There, so there's there's now two of you. Hey, yes, oh, I like Fridays even more. <laughs> <laughs> the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Five forty nine, non Packers fan, but a fan of the NFL. Aaron Karolnik at six oh five on the cage. is Zinger with the sports ticker. It's 551. Eight games on the NHL schedule Friday. One Canadian team in action and that is our good friend Rachel Dory's Vancouver Canucks. They're hosting the Florida Panthers. It's a 9pm puck drop tonight. Canada's Denis Shapovalov has advanced to the round of 16 at the Australian Open for the first time. Shapo beat world number 23 Riley Opaka of uh, the United States on Friday. Felix Ogier Eliasima Montreal will square off with the number 24 seed Daniel Evans of Great Britain in a third round match on Saturday. Some nice early morning viewing. Sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. It is 551. The big news from the Canadian Football League. Uh, well, at least from the Rogers' perspective, they re-signed safety Mike, Mike Adam. Adam. Fifth season, the 2019 West Division All-Star, returning off a broken wrist for the season. Oh, I, I want to get that out of my mind, how we, that dive and he broke it. Banjo Bowl, it was such a bad game to begin with. Yeah, oh, man, it was a bad memory. I'm just talking to myself. The injury for Mike Adam was not a... A nice one to look at. Well, it's, it was one of those plays that during the broadcast, like this is, an, this is a fantastic hustle play. There was, when you see where the ball landed, like, oh, there was no chance he was going to get it, but he still busted it nonetheless. Yeah. And then watching him just roll around in that, that left end zone, he went, this is bad, and, and that was the end of his season. But like Luke said, like, guys could go rehab you know, at home if they wanted, but there's Mike every day. At practice, bright pink cast popping out. There he is on the sidelines, <laughs> rooting guys on, coaching guys up. Because, you know, Ganey, Marshall, Purifoy, 
don't need the same level, but you had Christian Campbell and Blaise Brown and, and guys who could use a little extra help, right? Young guys to the Canadian Football League. Yeah. And there was Mike all the way through. So I don't know. Tough to It's tough to tell from the outside, right? Like, who's the linchpin? Who's the straw that stirs the drink on a, on a particular unit? You know, is it is it AC Leonard because of his ability to absolutely wreck plays? Is it Purifoy because he he'll do whatever at a super high level? Uh, yeah. Is it Micah Johnson because Micah Johnson has played at the god tier level in the Canadian Football League? But yeah, I, I don't. Think, this I think isn't the same without Mike Adams. No. It's just not the same without Mike Adams. So for that reason, super glad he's back. Yeah, I think at like some positions, like sometimes you'll have a one or two or three guys kind of be that guy but for some position groups when you have like a a name like that like i i truly think like mike adam he we we've seen we saw it last year just how big of a leader that he is and i f- really feel like he he feels like he's part of something big here because he's one of the longer tenured players now on defense this coming up his fifth year and it's just you love to see those type of guys back and um can't be any more excited for it, man. It's going to be great. So what do you make of Luches Purifoy on Twitter? And we recapped some of it with uh, Luke early in the 5 o'clock hour. We missed any of the cage, obviously. The sports cage on demand for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. He tweeted, I know my worth. Don't play with me when it comes to this football, especially when I'm the most versatile DB in the league. I understand the salary cap completely, but clearly they don't value me for real, for real. And when someone said, oh, are they lowballing you? He indicated, yes, yeah. the writers are lowballing me. I, I think sometimes, <laughs> I know I would be this way, but when I'm sitting back uh, early January, mid-January, and I see like players signing deals around the league and stuff, and you know these other names being talked about, and then you're kind of sitting here, thinking like wait why is why are why, why isn't my name being talked about you know and i think that's what luches purefoy kind of feels right now like he's he says he's the most versatile defender in the league and yet like he's been snubbed two years in a row for all-star and nobody's really talking about him uh on the market he wasn't even a part of the the top 30 cfl.ca uh free agent list which is bonkers in my mind so yeah. like so uh, I think that's like more frustration and than anything, uh, you know, it, it bottles up and something that's what social media provides people when they, when, whether it's for the good or for the worse, I mean, that's, that's where you go to vent. So I, I think it's nothing more than that. I think it's just because like, I feel like he might feel like he's getting, you know, looked over because no one's talking about him. So it's unfortunate, but I don't know how he wasn't on that list, by the way. Like... 20, 2019, we thought straight malarkey. It was our first official declaration of malarkey that he was not an all-star. Uh, he was the founder. Yep. Yeah, that he was not a Western all-star malarkey. This season, it's understandable. semi-malarkey, but he switched positions. And had he stayed at halfback, he certainly would have been. But they listed him at safety. And Alexander in Winnipeg, if you chose him, totally get it. I I totally get it. But still, that he went two seasons without being an all-star divisionally is nonsense. It's like and his value is being overlooked, kind of. And I feel like he feels that same way now on the market, quite possibly. So it's, yeah. Well, and had we had we been having this conversation of two-time all-star Luches Purifoy 
just prefacing it with that would change the whole conversation. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, you you would hope that team, he'd be on the list. He'd yeah. be on the list for yeah, sure. For if, sure. If he was a two time All Star, you you hope teams and and general managers don't fall for that kind of stuff, right? That's the that stuff's honestly for us. Like I would hope that if an agent goes, my guy's an All Star two years in a row, I'd be like, well, he. There are cases. There were two All Stars I can think of that were really. That guy's an all-star? No, we as voters collectively <laughs> absolutely positively got it wrong. So if one of those players' agents came to me and said, well, my guy's an all-star, uh, as a GM, I'd just kind of laugh. Like, yeah. yeah, but that's the voters. That's not – here's what happened on the field. Bloop, 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 and it's awful, right? So I hope I hope GMs don't fall for that. But it would change this conversation for Purifoy because he has absolutely, in my mind, been an all-star level player for the last two years. He's got none of them, and I certainly hope that's not decreasing his value, hope though not. I'm pretty sure uh, that it is. Uh, on the text line, suggested that, oh, he's going to end up in Edmonton. Oh, gross. With Chris Jones. Uh, gross, for one, <laughs> is absolutely the way to go. But two, that's the that's the Chris Jones draw, right? Like, whether it's an actual draw for players – we're all gonna think, oh, he's going to he's going to Jones in Edmonton because the ultimate Jones draw would... is the dollar bill, though. At the end of the day, absolutely five fifty eight. Speaking of the dollar bill, Aaron Karolnik at TSN Edge at six oh five. We'll talk all of the matchups in the NFL. It's coming up. News is next on six twenty CKRM. Six oh four on a Friday for Nelson Holmes. He's playing home packages in RTMs for over sixty-five years. See that song, Zigger, just kind of cuts to my cuts to my heart and makes me feel real bad because in my partnership with Aaron Karolnik, our next guest, he's got the brawn, the brains, the looks, the money. Um, I don't know. I can I can drink Slurpees real fast. Is that the one thing I get in our in our oh, duo, you're, Aaron? You're being very hard. Uh, yeah, I would say you are selling yourself very short, deal. <laughs> Clearly, the looks are on on your uh, the brains. Of course, you chart all those CFL games. How could I possibly have the brains in the relationship? The brawn, I do agree. I am an extremely tough individual. <laughs> yeah. Yes, uh, modest tough. Like if he would have explained all the great things about yourself, it would have taken for a long time. So modesty as well. <laughs> you got it all going on. Uh, the prop masters, the hit available now at TSN Edge on our social media uh, at DT on SC at Aaron underscore Karolnik. Uh, the the weekend in the NFL, the divisional round. Which game do you find the most interesting? Which one is going to be the most fun to watch? Do you think? Well, I think it's got to be the Chiefs and the Bills on Sunday evening. You're talking about arguably the two most exciting teams in the NFL going head-to-head, Mahomes versus Josh Allen. You're seeing a total of 54 points, something that's only been done in the NFL playoffs nine times in the last 20 postseasons. So what we're seeing on Sunday night is somewhat unprecedented. And frankly, I think the game's going to live up to the hype. I'm betting the over of 54 points. I think it's going to be an offensive explosion, and I cannot wait not to take anything away from the three games that will come previous Mm -hmm. to the Sunday night game between the Bills and the Chiefs, but I just think the fireworks, the star power quarterback 
will make this the game of the weekend. So you think it's going over the total of 54. Do you do any of those bets where you push, you go get the alternate line and go, well, 55 or 56 would be eight touchdowns. And I can get that at, say, 105. Do you do any of those? I, I do, absolutely. And, I mean, we saw the Bills put up 47 last week against the New England Patriots, a defense that I guess you look at the Chiefs and look at their second half and say they're at least comparable to New England. But, listen, Josh Allen's been playing exceptional football down the stretch. And the Bills' defense has been playing just as well, frankly, not allowing a punt in, what, three of their last four games? Uh, or or not not forcing a team to punt in the last three of the uh, three or four games. So yeah, that's really offense. a testament to them. But but it, it's one of those things, DT, where I think it'll just get churning, and the teams Kansas City and Buffalo will just run up and down the field. The playmakers on both sides. It's going to be a track meet. I just can't wait to see how it all plays out. Who's going to win, though? Is the question. Mm, that is the question. Have, well, Buffalo a is a two-point dog. Yep. So when it comes to the betting market, it's been trending a little bit in Buffalo's favor. Ultimately, and as much as it pains me to bet against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, I think this is the Bills' year, not only to win this game, not only to win the AFC, but to win the Super Bowl as a whole. Ooh. I think they're the most complete team, and I love what I see from Josh Allen. The way that he can dominate a game, not only with his arm, but with his legs. I mean, he's averaging almost 70 yards on the ground alone in his last six games. So he is just this dual threat. And I think in the, this modern NFL, you need that in order to succeed. And I think that's exactly what the Bills are going to be able to do. So you're you're on the Bills. You're on Josh Allen. Uh, earlier today, you were on Josh Allen over one and a half touchdown passes. And you said you're going to have to pay a little bit of juice because it's minus 160. Uh, I note here, Josh Allen over one and a half touchdown passes is almost minus 200 now. People are well, with you on Josh Allen. Well, and it's one of those things where we know the Bills don't run the ball at the goal line. It's not a traditional Derrick Henry or Joe Mixon type offense where you get down inside the five and then just hand the ball off to the back. That's not how Buffalo operates. We know the play action success they've had all year long including recently all five of Josh Allen's touchdown passes last week were off of play action. So I would expect a very similar script. And yeah, the, the Josh Allen touchdown pass prop never really made sense at 1.5. He should be at 2.5 right there with Patrick Mahomes. And it would not surprise me in the slightest if both were over 2.5 when all is said and done on Sunday night. That is the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. That the late game on Sunday. A lot of talk around here. It comes around the Packers game because, well, Zinger loves his Packers. Mm. Packers, Niners. Uh, the Niners are not like any other team, honest, well, maybe honestly in the NFL, but certainly any other team left with their, you know what, our quarterback kind of sucks and it doesn't really matter for us. And it doesn't matter. You're absolutely right. It doesn't matter because their run game has been so potent. And it's led by Elijah Mitchell, who has been somewhat of a revelation for San Francisco being an undrafted guy. And he was, what, number four, number five on their depth chart heading into the season. And all of a sudden, he's getting 20-plus carries in six straight games. But really, the crux of the San Francisco 49ers offense has been Debo Samuel, mm. who is as unique an offensive weapon as we've seen in the NFL in a long time. I mean, he averages 6.6 .6 yards per carry. And this isn't on one or two or three carries per game. He's getting seven, eight, nine carries out of that San Fran backfield. And he also catches four, five, six passes a game. The man is an incredible threat. And 
man, we saw Dallas last week identify him early as their main concern. It didn't matter. The identification be damned. He was a dominant force. And we saw that incredible 20 yard touchdown run he had in Dallas last week. And I think that is a major concern for green Bay whose run defense, I think is almost given an unfair label of being so bad because when you look at it against bad teams, for whatever reason it is against non-playoff teams, Green Bay's run defense has really struggled this year, but against really good teams, they've come to play. And we know Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander will be back for that defense. I will say my only issue with that run defense of Green Bay, and you look at their schedule over the entirety of the season, they face only one real top five run rush offense. And that was the Cleveland Browns. And I'm sure Zinger recalls Nick Chubb going for, I believe it was 203 yards on the ground. So they're going to be, need to be very conscientious of what San Fran does with Elijah Mitchell and with Debo Samuel coming out of that backfield. But if they can limit that, then I think they're going to be in good shape because if you make Jimmy G beat you, I think <laughs> Green Bay absolutely will be able to handle what San Fran presents. I have to say, AK, mildly disappointed that you didn't refer to Debo Samuel as the NFL's Braylon Addison. Kind of mm, nice. Kind of disappointed in that one. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, 81 and a half yards is his total. You're on the over for that one based on what you've been saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's averaging 24 carries a game for that's, the last six games. Ton. So you extrapolate, yeah. you extrapolate that against Green Bay's rush defense. Well, not as bad as the second worst rush defense in the NFL as some are labeling them. I mean, you're still expecting them to allow four plus yards per carry. And that would put Elijah Mitchell well past the 80. 81.5 rush yards. Aaron Karolnik, TSN Edge and TSN Radio with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. The opener on Saturday is the Cincinnati Bengals and the number one seed in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans. The Titans getting A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry back, but there's video of Derrick Henry at practice, and he's at practice and things are going, but he still has a significant limp. So I don't know – I know that, that Tennessee is just going to give him the ball and then give him the ball some more and then give him the ball, but I don't know how long that's going to hold out. So that makes me very cautious as I approach this game from a betting perspective. Yeah, and Derrick Henry, I mean, he's the main storyline that seemingly everyone's talking about heading to this game, and rightfully so. There was a pretty decent argument that when he got injured, in, I believe it was on Halloween, he was the top three contender for NFL MVP. He was exceptional. You mentioned that video, DT, and I saw a number of sports books across the United States post his rushing total this afternoon, mm-hmm. 79 and a half rush yards. Is it not at least possible that Tennessee's trumpeting up Derrick Henry, making sure he's out there in practice, getting ready to go? But let's be honest here. Is he really coming off nine weeks, coming off a major surgery on his foot for a running back, having taken no real contact? aside from the little bit of practice that he's endured this week, is it a stretch to say he would split carries with Deontay Foreman? Is it a stretch to say maybe I send him out for the first series and just to maybe just kind of set the tone with almost the Willis Reed type New York (laughs) Knicks 1973 for all the old school hoops fans out in Regina. I am just not sold that Derrick Henry is a major part of Tennessee's game plan and betting against Derrick Henry historically has been as poor a decision as one can make. I'm not convinced I'm not necessarily fading Derrick Henry, but I'm not yet convinced exactly what he's able to provide. And what he's able to provide is a massive boost to that Tennessee offense, as we've seen throughout the year, when Henry and Brown and Julio Jones are on the field together, 
Tennessee is essentially a powerhouse of an offense. Do we believe in Derrick Henry's health? Do we believe in Julio Jones's health? I'm skeptical on both. And for that reason, I'm leaning taking Cincinnati plus the three and a half points in what should be a really good game on Saturday afternoon. I, I love the thought of the better quarterback getting points. So that's where I'd be with Cincinnati as well. Uh, the Derrick Henry thing, I mean, 79 and a half yards. If that was weeks one through eight when he was playing, you would have maybe not your house, but maybe half your house on him, him going over 79 and a half yards, which makes me go, okay, that line is definitely baking in that they, he may not fix, pardon me, finish the game that he starts. Well, that's right. And by the way, I would not put my house up. This is the Toronto real estate market DT where every day seemingly up 5%. So I need to be very conscientious of that fact when it comes to gambling, but yeah, you're right. And, And listen, Cincinnati's, suffered some some injuries on their defensive front. Larry Ogunjobi has been ruled out for this week, and he has been a crucial part to Cincinnati's run D. So that opens up lanes for Derrick Henry, you would think. But, yeah, you're right. When you see the number posted in Vegas, clearly the books are expecting certain limitations on Henry, whether it be his ability to run or the number of touches he will receive from Tennessee. So I think I'm either steering clear or taking the under – I think the outcomes for Derrick Henry going under the number are far more numerous than yeah. the over occurring. Uh, Julio Jones is a, is a prop that I'm watching. I have him under three and a half receptions. Sure. Hey, great. Looked great against Houston last night. Uh, if you, if you want to join in on Julio Jones under three and a half receptions, I might wait a little closer to, uh, to game time. Cause I feel like people are going to buy into the, the Julio Jones will have a huge impact on that game and I will be firmly on the under. All right, uh, Aaron Karolnik, the prop master, give me the one prop bet that if you if you only had one unit left in your account, if you only you just wanted them Zinger made sixty thousand dollars betting on Indiana yesterday. I don't know how he had the Indiana Pacers over Golden State, but if you were wow. recommending one prop bet to uh to Zinger with his newfound winnings on Again, the Indiana Pacers, what's the what's the prop bet you would point him to? Okay, well, I, now that you told me that Josh Allen passing touchdowns has moved so significantly at minus 200, I mean, I don't know if there's any value on that. I would probably steer clear. If there was one prop bet I would really, really like to hit this week, I'm looking at a plus money prop, and I'm looking at Rob Gronkowski to score. And you can find it at plus 140. We know the issues with Tampa's offense. We know Godwin is out. We know Antonio Brown is gone. We know Leonard Fournette, a question mark, heading into the game on Sunday. Gronk is going to be a huge part of that offense. He's got 15 career touchdowns in 21 career playoff games. The dude is an end zone maven. But the reason I like it in particular this week is just how banged up the Rams are in the middle of the field. Two starting safeties ruled out. I think Gronk has a big afternoon, not only scoring – Perhaps even scoring first. You can look at that as well. But I think he goes over the five and a half receptions and over the 64 and a half receiving yards. It's a big Gronk afternoon for Tampa Bay against the Rams. Gronk six to one to get the first or last touchdown minus one Oh five to get a touchdown anytime. So just about even money. Uh, that's okay. the one that Aaron Karolnik is looking for in. I have no idea what's going to happen in that Rams bucks game. Cause both teams have real problems and, real guys missing so this this weekend's going to be a ton of fun ak thank you brother 
My pleasure. Have a great weekend, everybody. Aaron Karolnik, TSN Edge. You can check out the Prop Masters uh, online at Aaron underscore Karolnik or at TSN underscore Edge 618. Zinger, any of those uh, wagers? What do you, What would you feel? Uh, Aaron Rodgers over two and a half touchdowns. Aaron Jones over, what is it, 41 and a half yards. Who are you want, looking for to uh, to fly for your Packers? Uh, Devontae Sa- Adams would I, probably be seven I, and a half. I've made a vow to myself. I, I, I do not place any wagers on Packer games. But your insight can lead me to a good wager. I, I, I do think that Aaron Jones is going to score tomorrow. Um, okay. Yeah, I, I do. Uh, I, I, what makes me say that? I don't know, but I do. I do feel it in my bones that Aaron Jones is going to score. Devontae Adams is going to score, and uh, my, my underdog, if you will, for the Packers that will score a touchdown tomorrow, is Mercedes Lewis. Oh, Tight really? End. Yeah, I, I, I got, I got an Aiken. I got an Aiken for it. I, I feel like something's going to be dialed up at the goal line here for, for Sadie's. So if it happens, I don't know what that number would be at. It's probably like plus five, five hundred or something. It's five for... to one exactly. So I just, I just plopped twenty bucks on that. So we'll see if you made me a hundred bucks. Yeah. So uh, if it comes true, DT, um, you know, maybe you can bring me a, a squishy on Monday because I got a, I got an Aiken. I got, I got a feeling for it. I like it. And I, 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 I think. Gronk scoring plus one forty for Gronk scoring. That's a that's a. I might put like I don't know twenty bucks or something on that. Won't, oh. won't win too much, but I I do think I I'm visualizing it. I think Gronk's gonna get in the end zone tomorrow. I like it. Six twenty. Uh, it starts tomorrow in the two what two thirty with Cincy and Tennessee. Very curious to see what Tennessee looks like after the week off. Plenty more coming inside the cage. Sports Cage on 620 CKRM all week long. We've been crushing it on the text line, the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line at 306-936-6262 asking today about, well, what about Lamar Durant to the Riders? What about this situation? What about Luchez Purifoy? Is it possible he was just hangry is the line of the week. Just getting (laughs) in under the wire. Uh, This question, is Devere Posey under contract? Is that a receiver the, the Riders should pursue? Posey started the season with the Ticats, was on the six-game injured list. They released him because by the time he was healthy, Stephen Dunbar was flying in that offense. He went to BC. I don't – he is a free agent. I know that for sure. I don't think he did particularly much with the BC Lions I don't this remember season. One the, catch yeah. for four yards and no touchdowns. He played one game with BC. Posey – I guess the one problem is Posey's traditional spot is Shaq's spot. and That's a coveted spot. <laughs> well, and, and why double up, right? If in this era where I, I'm surprised what Winnipeg is doing when we don't really know what the cap is, mm-hmm. which maybe I shouldn't be surprised because maybe they believe they know what the cap will be. But if the cap is $5 million, you committed 11% to Zach Caleros. All right. Mm. That's... That's a thing that happened. Um, I I don't think that if you're the Riders, you, you would take a guy like Posey just because, okay, well, if, if he's going to prosper in Shaq's spot, but Shaq is there, why do we want to double that up? You need somebody, you need somebody in that slot. 
you need somebody in that Burnham, R.J. Harris. Uh, who was the third name we were throwing around the other day? Uh, as to guys who could prosper. Ricky there. Collins. Ricky Collins has played that that two spot to the short side. Uh, something Cunningham. B.J. Cunningham. Thank you. Yeah, if he was remotely healthy, would be more the guys I would I would probably be looking at. I Devere Posey is going to make. I hope Devere Posey stays healthy and makes plays for somebody because, I mean, 100-yard touchdown in the 2017 Grey Cup. That's his signature right there. Right? Yeah. And not bad at all. One of the one of In the, the snow with the Argos? Over Tommy Campbell. <laughs> yeah. So I, I thought he'd do great things in Hamilton, didn't end up being healthy enough to do anything in Hamilton, uh, and is a free agent as are – Gosh, we must be down to only like 250 free agents now. Yeah, only. Yeah, we're getting down there, hey? Man alive. <laughs> it's still so very many. One guy who is not a free agent, safety Mike Adam. Yeah, that he was is, nice news to end the week. Yeah. Mm-hmm, back on what we would believe to be a one-year contract. So Adam, Marshall, uh, Webb would be back. Christian Campbell's a free agent, but there's three in the back five that are back. Uh, our guest from the 4 o'clock hour, Jay Dearborn, is a free agent. He's currently in Germany. Chasing that gold. That, that gold medal coming up here in Beijing. Can you imagine? And when I was talking to, to Jay, you know, not recording, and we, were, we were talking about, man, he's from this small, small town in Ontario, and he's now a pro football player and an Olympian. He's like, yeah, you know what? When I was growing up, I didn't feel like I was the best athlete. I didn't really feel like that. I'm like, uh, really? Cause now <laughs> it's crazy how good you are. Maybe like, he's just a humble guy. Maybe he's a, he, he knows how good he is. He, he should. Cause I hope so. They don't just let you go to the Olympics for no reason. You have to be either really good at sports or from a tiny country where being super rich can get you in and you can be the one Suriname guy who's in the downhill skiing. Right. Uh, right. So we all know that guy. Yeah. Props to props to Jay. Uh, off to the Olympics. Uh, they compete in four-man bobsled the 19th and 20th, I believe the dates are. So he's got some time until then to enjoy Beijing and enjoy being an Olympian. He said, I don't really know what to expect. I don't really have goals that I've set because I've been doing this for three years. Three years and he's in the Olympics. Can you imagine? That's impressive. Hey, uh, well, Jesse Lumsden was the first one I, I really knew about. I'm sure there have been other – I'm sure American former football players have ended up Yeah, that was on the first sleds. one that – yeah. Right, but Lumsden was the first one. And now uh, Jay is on one team. Sam Jaguer, who was with the Alouettes, Ticats, and Elks, is on another team. And Shaq Murray Lawrence, who was a running back with the BC Lions and Montreal Alouettes, is the alternate for bobsled. So – they, they know the athletes they're going for. Hey, let, you know what we should do? Let's get some of the absolute best athletes in the Canadian Football League and see what they're all about. And Jay, to his credit, what, what was the story he told? After the West Final, he came back, and by Tuesday or Wednesday, he was in Ottawa, met his, his mom and his brother at the airport because he was jumping in a car to drive to Lake Placid <laughs> to go compete down there. <laughs> oh, man, alive. That is... That's gonna be Dedication. exciting though to see him on the TV, how huh? like when it, ah. when it's about time, like that's gonna be sweet. That'll be so cool. Uh, as I was joking, uh, you and I in our spare time this weekend will obviously pound through seven episodes of Ozark. Oh, absolutely. That's gonna be polished off by uh, the, by weekend's end. Well, Jay will be taking. Well, he'll be doing either some football or some 
So basically, basically we're, more, we're, we're more productive, basically, is what we're saying. Well, right? what, does Jay know how season three of Ozark ended? Yeah, no, he see. was probably trying to compete at the highest level in sports. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, it's been a fantastic week. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you to all our guests today. Uh, of course, Luke Mullender is with us every Friday. Sarah Orleski. Packer fan, Sarah Orleski. Yeah, put off her Prosecco to join us. That is dedication to the cause. And to you for being with us. Whether you're with us live or you're listening on demand, we appreciate you joining us on the cage. The Sports Cage on Demand is for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. Have a fantastic weekend. We're back Monday with Mullinder, Suter, Laura Dyken on the NFL, and so much more. The Sports Cage on 620 CKRM.